Hello there, everybody. Welcome to Rev Dive, where we chat all things Rev Cycle. And today we get to chat with a celebrity. We have on the line with us today, Scott Becker. Scott Becker, if you don't recognize the last name there, is the publisher and chief content officer at Becker's Everything, right? We've all heard Becker's Hospital Review, ASC Review, there's podcasts. It's a whole universe, you guys, of intelligent information about healthcare. And he's also a partner at McGuire Woods. Scott, we are so excited to have you on the call today. Well, uh, thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here, and what a pleasure. And when you say celebrity, this is very much the level B or C or D level celebrity, but we appreciate you so much having us. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Looking forward to visiting. I tell you what, in, in the world that Kem and I are in, you are very much a celebrity. You are, as my 15-year-old would say, you are hashtag goals, okay? You are, you're crushing it out there. Thank you. We enjoy it a, a great deal. It's been a total... Uh, labor of love most days, you know, most days, but it's so fascinating. It's, it's allowed me to sort of be involved in the whole ecosystem of healthcare and talk to the most interesting people like yourselves. And so pleasure. So thank you. Oh, thank you. I, I have to know, can you give me like a, a just a little bit of a background um, on, you know, Becker's publications? So for Kem and I, this is a cornerstone area for us. We look to Becker's publications all of the time, not just for statistics, but for education and for industry trends. And, you know, how did all of this get started? Sure. So it, it got started literally 30 years ago or so when I was in my 20s and had much more energy than I do today. And and we started it around really there's a whole convoluted story to it, as there is to most things. When I was I was a young lawyer trying to build a practice in the healthcare area and sort of started newsletters and the newsletters were these small types of things. And, and it just sort of started newsletters and conferences. And they, were, and they were small and in one area of healthcare. Now we're in four core areas of healthcare and we touch a lot of others, but we're in hospitals and health systems, health IT, health IT and revenue cycle, and then orthopedics and spine and surgery centers. Then we touch several other areas as well, but the core of the company is built around hospitals and health systems and health IT and revenue cycle. And then you've got these other areas. When I was first building a practice, I was trying to build a reputation, so I started this Becker line of, you know, it was very small at the time, a really simple newsletter, four pages, you know, very small website that at that time, websites were just brand new or almost not yeah. even a thing. And then we started a small conference. And then fast forward about 10 years from then, and I started to hire people full-time in the company. And some of those people that joined me 10 years later were able to take sort of the platform I had started, the, the sort of thing that we had created, and, and drive it into a whole different level of game. And that was Jessica Cole, our present CEO, who's still with me today, key partner who really leads the company today, and a number of other people from the editorial team, uh, Molly Gamble, or Derda, Ayla Ellison, and, and Katie Atwood, whole number of people that joined me at some point. And Jess was really the first full-time outside employee with several others she's the one that ended up being the leader of the company and then we were able to grow substantially around jess and around me sort of building the content platform and her understanding how to sort of make sure we we're touching the audience fully and commercializing and everything else but that, that's sort of the sort of how we started and it, it you know started like many things for a different purpose then became a real media company not a not a marketing yeah. thing you know i mean it's it's like if you folks do rev dive is partly marketing your great business, your great revenue cycle business. You know, sure. it'd be the same concept of at some point, does it turn from that into, you know, a broader media business? And that's sort of what it was. And it, it was, uh -huh. uh, and, and so it was, it was a, you know, it was, it was fascinating. Now we have a hundred employees and it's become a 
you know, serious media company, you know, 30 plus full-time journalists. We're, you know, we two core things, digital presence, and then sort of the um, conference in-person presence and trying to make sure we, we excel at both and touch. And, you know, we talk about it as being a magnet for listeners on a podcast, readers on our websites and attendees at our conferences and trying to make sure we've got concise, useful information is the goal of it. Now I'll, you know, if you let me keep on talking, I'll keep on talking. So I'll shut up for a second and, and turn it back to you guys. Well, I was going to say, it sounds like you have this great mix of kind of being really passionate about a particular area of focus and then having this great team around you that kind of shares that passion and was able to help you just kind of keep climbing and climbing and growing and growing. That's amazing. Well, no, and thank you. And, it, and what happens is, is you learn in anything, and you folks have been teammates and partners for some time, I understand. It's it, very similar. You can't do anything by yourself. You can't do anything like, you can't do anything scalable beyond a certain level by yourself. You just can't. It's just not would doable. you want to? It, right. Nor would you want to. Nor would you want to. <laughs> it's, it's much more fulfilling to do it in teams and with teams. You know, and Jess's leadership was, a, Jessica Cole's leadership was a key, key part of that. And then she helped build a magnificent team. So people come to our conferences and say, Oh my God, your team is so user friendly, so customer service oriented, they're so eager to help. And it really grows out of Jess's leadership and, and running the business and running a team around those concepts. And you know, when you think about team, um, the, 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 the term team in healthcare, we really all as healthcare leaders, we work together, we collaborate in so many different aspects of our own leadership. And being able to have you know, a platform like yours, like Becker's, um, it really gives some credible information to your, your, your target audience. And I'd love to hear about you know, kind of what you envision for a typical healthcare leader to gain from the different publications and all of the, you know, the, the platforms that you and your team have built for the industry. Sure. So that is a great question. We view it as very much participatory and amplifying. So to use two words. So the concept is I was just in an event, not one of our events, but a, a spine surgeon hosts a conference every year called the State of Spine. He, Dr. Frank Phillips, does it in, in a, a, this year was in Cabo, San Lucas in Mexico. But what he does, which is so magnificent, is he probably has 100 people, 200 people there in the audience but a huge majority of them have some participatory role. They're not just their spectators. Somehow or another, they're involved in the conference itself. Me, obviously not on the clinical side of spine, but on the business side of the business. But, it, but it's a fascinating model, and it's sort of more and more we look at things in a similar way. So we, we want health system leaders viewing it as not just for them to learn from, but to participate in. So health system leaders are the core of our agendas, the core of our audience, and we try and make sure each agenda includes a ton of health system leaders, and it allows them to have a platform for what they're trying to say, what they're trying to talk about, to help build their reputations, to build their brands, to amplify their brands. We view it as core to it. You know, and what happens is, and our goal is to build a strong enough, high enough quality platform, big enough platform, that they view it as beneficial for their means, for their uses as well. So for example, when we first started this, you go back, 15 years ago, we'd asked, you know, at some point Mayo Clinic or somebody at Mayo Clinic to come speak. And of course, they were sort of like, this was not useful enough as an amplification tool for them to want to speak. And, and then it, then we fast forwarded 10 years 
and they were excited to be a part of it. So we've had CEOs from Mayo Clinic, we've got all these places to speak, but, it, but our goal is to be a strong enough platform that whether you're the CEO of a very small health system, uh, it could be a um, you know rural hospital, it could be a critical access hospital, or the CEO of a major health system, or, or, or the CFO, the vice president, director of nursing, whoever it might be, that you view this as a great place to sort of both talk and share thoughts and ideas with others and also a chance for you to sort of build your petition, build your career. So, so people come to us that, that, you know, that have been promoted in different parts of their career or, or found different levels of it. And, and sometimes they're very thankful for the chance, whether it's through us, through RevDive, through somebody else, to have a chance to amplify their own career, to, 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 to you know, not, not, to, not to be selling, but to be strengthening their own credentials, their, their own sort of, you know, their own professionalism. And so we love that. We love that. And, and the, you know, there were two key words that you just said. You said participatory and amplifying. And oh my gosh, I think those are two great adjectives for healthcare leaders. Um, first of all, you know, when when you're in an organization, you don't want to work in a silo. You want to participate in so many different teams and, and different committees so that you're learning. But then also from amplifying, I think you also want to share your thoughts, like you just said. When you have great ideas, you don't want to keep them to yourself. You want to share them with the industry. You want to share them with your teams, with your providers. Um, so I think, you know, those two terms are, are perfect ways to, to describe folks in leadership. No, thank you. We just we're just a, we're a big believer that that's what makes the ecosystem work. That that people aren't just consumers, and that's fine too, but that they're also participating and involved. Because what really happens is nobody wants to hear me or our, or other people from our company that for that long. They want to hear people from the industry. They want to hear people that are leaders of systems. That's who. That's the that's the audience. So, you know, we have a concept of a moderating, and sometimes I don't always stick to this. To be ten percent me, ninety percent are speakers, and, and and I'm not always great at it, but it's it's what we teach our moderators as well, because <laughs> they're really they're really the you know, they're really the show, you know, and we're trying to be a platform for them. Well, but and participate you know, in the apply. It's beautiful concept and it's a beautiful approach because so many times you have folks go to a strictly you know just educational convention or association and they feel that they've learned some things they have things they definitely want to implement when they get back into the office but because there was not a lot of hands-on involvement at times or networking was limited for whatever reason it didn't sink deep enough you know and so then as soon as they get back to their office kem and i've heard the complaint many many times you know i went back to my office and i did nothing you guys told me all this last year and i didn't do it you know and so what are those ways that we can really engage them deeper i think is is such a powerful concept and i think you know to that end when we talk about different things that leaders can do you know there's so much going on right now there's so much getting thrown at everybody um, some of the things that everyone's most focused on right now are organizational stability, care delivery, um, financial stability. You know, what what things would you say that that leaders should start to focus on right now in those areas? Well, no, I think you're obviously right on board and you're right at the heart of this in the revenue cycle world because you see it front hand where people are think, dealing with from a financial standpoint. You've got, you know, you've got I, 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 one set of financial challenges are. Uh, softening revenues or not increasing revenues will increased labor staff supply costs. So it's so really causing a very challenging margin challenges for hospitals yes. and health systems. And we, you know, recently saw Ascension reported about a $900 million loss for the first quarter. 
but that's they're not you know it, it they're they're an indicator they're not unique people are struggling because there's there's very little room in the in other businesses people are able to raise their prices in healthcare yeah. not so much you got medicare medicaid yeah. you can't raise prices most of your big contracts you don't have the power to raise prices and so you're at a spot where you can't raise prices but staffing costs supply costs everything else is going up very significantly so so real challenging then of course side by side with that is just um tremendous staffing challenges and you end up with a situation where you 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 have more systems again looking at how do we streamline services how do we close some services what shouldn't we deliver what can we deliver and so forth and you know in the in the revenue cycle area that you folks live in uh tremendous staffing challenges tremendous turnover tremendous staffing challenges so many of both there's there's the bigger tasks there's the smaller tasks uh, but the, the, a lot of the task oriented stuff done by certain staff you can't even find the staff to do it. And so it's a really challenging spot and trying to mix technology, high intelligence with lots of task orientation has made some of these areas really, really challenging. And so we, yeah. we see a lot of that I and mean, we just see a lot of we see probably what's fascinating is emotionally the last couple of years were so challenging for hospitals and health systems yes. now as you get through. But but. The federal government came through with a ton of aid to keep hospitals and health systems at least financially stable. Now, now you've got a situation that reminds me back to the pandemic before aid came through, where hospitals and health systems are really struggling financially and trying to figure it out, you know, and, and yeah. seeing, you know, who thrives, who doesn't. We saw for a couple of years a real reduction in the number of hospital closures, and that number is going to tilt way back up again because you've got oh, small absolutely. hospitals that got aid and don't have that aid and now we're struggling with just horribly reduced margins that were tight well, to begin not with. just the the aid not coming in right but all of those programs where we had penalties and fees and you know i mean even if you just look at the penalty phase of, of appropriate use criteria you have all these things that not only did we have aid get injected into healthcare financially from the government, but we also had a hold on all of these penalties and things that now have to be reinstituted. And there's some things that we need to to pay back or refund programs that should have been balanced neutral that are, aren't because of the pandemic. So it's like we have a lack of injected funds on top of the re-implementation of all of these fines and fees. It's an incredibly challenge right now in the healthcare industry. Yeah. It, it, it. And that's exactly what we're saying. Yeah. And, you know, just kind of thinking about all of these challenges throughout your career, I'm sure that you've, you've, you know, kind of gone through a lot of challenges. You've had probably a ton, obviously, of home runs and maybe some misses. Um, you know, when you swing that bat, you may not always hit the ball. Uh, and thinking about where you've, where you've come from and where you see yourself in the future, where you see your 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 platforms going. Um, we like to to impart, you know, some some experience with our audience. So if you wouldn't mind sharing maybe some of your home runs and misses, um, we'd love to hear them and and kind of learn from from what you've experienced. Sure. No, thank you so much. And what a what a great question. So you, you talk about baseball. I will tell you, I was such a poor little leaguer that I could remember almost every game where I ever had more than one or two hits, only because I didn't have enough of them throughout my entire Little League career. So when you talk about baseball, plenty of misses there and, and so forth, but I'll come back to the business side of all this. The, the positives have been ultimately building teams. I've, I've had a, a great luck in 
spotting talent that came to work with me, promoting the heck out of the ta- that talent, embracing that talent, embracing those people, whether in the in the Becker's healthcare side, uh, with people that have been with me for a long time, that I saw talent in early, and you know tried to make sure we did everything we could to recruit, retain, and keep that talent. And similarly in the law firm, a whole host of the leaders or the people that worked with me when I was uh, when I was supervising people have ended up being leaders in the law firm. And so we've been we've had great luck in, in building teams, mentoring people, and growing talent, and seeing talent. Quite frankly, people always say, "Oh, you're a great manager," and and I always would respond by saying, "Being a great manager, there's two ways to manage. If you hire great people and retain great people." Being a manager is really easy. It, it's really easy because it's all about you have great people. If you have highly motivated people that don't need to be micromanaged, that can that could develop and grow, then management's easy. There are managers I've worked with who have been phenomenal, who don't put as much of a premium on what I would call talent as I would, and they've done a great job too. It just it's it, they have to manage so closely though, and it's not as scalable. And so we, we've been good about identifying talent early, recruiting, retaining, doing everything we can to retain and keep and help that talent thrive. And there's a synergistic relationship always where they're, they're sort of helping the law firm, helping Becker's Healthcare, whichever organization they're in, but they're also helping themselves. And, and as a leader to understand, it's most people won't stay under your tutelage forever if they view it as just about you. It's got to be about them too. And so we view it as this Venn diagram of where people are really thriving, the organization's thriving, and there's a good enough overlap. You know, so, so we view it that way. It's sort of like, but but so the, the success has been on teams. The, the challenges have come in different ways. I mean, we've, we've ended up, um, you know, it, it's gone great. We've straddled two careers forever, and that's been, that was easier in my 30s and 40s when I was younger than I am today. You know, we also, when we first came into leadership, there was a different way of getting people to do stuff in a law firm that's very different today, and it's very different than it, then it's been for a long time now, but as a young lawyer, you would yell at the younger lawyers to get stuff done for clients in the, in the name of sort of pushing things along and processing like that. And one of the young lawyers years ago had the wherewithal to step me aside and say, when you yell at somebody, you don't just screw up that, you don't just sort of like get to that person who you're yelling at, but you mess up the culture of the whole team. You know, and it was a fascinating educational experience for me about the impact it had on the entire team to my credit. I was able to change and I was able to like realize I have to largely take that out of the arsenal of ways to get things done to, to my defense. It's how everybody got things done back in the day, but it's not, but it's not, it's not, it's not, obviously it's, it's short term. You get results. Long term, you can't keep people and long term. You can't build great teams that want to thrive themselves. So it's like, there's this difference between short term and long term management and coaching. But I, I remember that thing, this, this young lawyer, was smart enough to take me aside and explain to me why this is a disastrous way to do things, even if they realized that person had messed something up, that person had done something wrong, that person needed to be told what to do. It didn't matter because it did because you might have been right in this little way, but you were wrong in the big picture of building great teams. And that was just a great, great learning experience for me. You know, and and, and it's like you when people say to me, "Oh, you were you were so smart. You got into this area." Yeah, I have to remind them that no, and that's smart. I was testing three or four different areas, and this is one that worked. You follow me? So like most people, like when I talk to young entrepreneurs, and we just did a post on this last week in LinkedIn, there's this myth of the born entrepreneur. Most of us can't just sit on a blank sheet and come up with ideas for a business. We either 
we have to be engaged enough, work enough, be deeply into something enough to decide, hey, this is a business worth really pursuing. And, and I'm sure it was the same with the two of you, that you didn't yeah. start out a college aside, we're starting Absolutely. our own revenue cycle business. Rather, you had jobs first, you learn, you get engaged, you're involved, and, and then things become clear to you. And, and so, you know, there's an evolution in all of our thinking, and it's, it's no genius. It was like testing different things and then being smart enough to always double down on great people when ideas were working. Like if we're getting clients in a certain way, getting customers a certain way, to double down on those areas and, 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 and to keep on sort of like at least being able to recognize patterns once you got going and, and try to double down on those, whether, you know, and, and then we built built businesses that were very niche centric. I mean, a whole different discussion, but niches within healthcare, niches within law, which is a healthcare niche within law. But so you're not all things to all people and really trying to, but great teams, great customers, and great niches, you know, and then trying to keep on you know, signals and doubling down on them and recognize how important when you have talented people, they are hard to find. Talented people that are both, you know, long-term, disciplined, conscientious, you know, they yes. have that whole set of skills and, and make it sure that we constantly double down and trying to retain, recruit, take care of those people. You, you know. know, there's yeah. one consistent thing that I have seen across any great leader, regardless of industry. And it seems to be um, a very high level of humility, like uh, just very, very much recognizing, you know, I I was able to satisfy a need. I'm blessed to have the team that I have. We worked really hard to get here. We've struggled, we put the time in, you know, and just very clearly recognizing that this was a labor to get here. We had to learn a lot to get here and we're still learning. And I think that that is the attribute of someone who has already paid their dues, had lots of experiences, and is kind of doing things the right way. You know, we speak to a lot of younger leaders who are kind of headstrong. And like you said, they're applying that stick all the time when sometimes it needs to be the carrot. You need to invest in your folks. But anytime we're talking to a really accomplished leader, it's very much like we're having this conversation with you today. Invest in your people, you know, be there, learn from your mistakes, change behaviors, double down on what's good. Um, I think those are such positive takeaways for our listeners. The thing you said about humility is such a fascinating thing because, you know, because what happens is you also, as you hopefully as you get older, you grow into this humility. You, you grow into it more and more. When you're younger, you built your credibility by performing in a certain way. And in that performance that leads you to being promoted early doesn't necessarily lead to that much humility. And hopefully you keep it in check and you behave yourself when you're not. And you <laughs> yes. hate yourself well. But, but, but as you build organizations, though, you build organizations, though, you're not in a spot where everybody who runs an area at one of the things I'm involved in in today's world, there's no way I could do it anywhere near as well as they do it. You follow me? And that's not humility. That's reality. I do what I do well, but but and I do what, the things I do, I do well. But I couldn't run the editorial team today. I couldn't run the commercial operations. Today. I couldn't run the company today. I just couldn't do it. I mean, it's, I really couldn't do it. It's not fake humility. It's true. There's people at it that are far better than you are, and you can't do all those things if you want to run anything besides having your own small professional practice you know you know and the same thing in the law firm i was able to fire start to build practices to build people but at the end of the day those people that run those large clients do it a million times better than i do i mean they don't have the amount of like me i'm in a million different places they're magnificent at taking care of what has to be taken care of and doing it in a brilliant way a hands-on way with with you know with with great panache and i just couldn't do it today 
And, and so the humility also is it's you grow into it over time as you get bigger in what you do and you realize, well, I better treat that people well on top of everything else because I can't I don't want the role and I can't handle the role, not nearly as well as they can. And so yeah. it's there, there's a lot of humility because everybody talks about humility today. And, and I, I've grown to be, a, you know, to think about it so much more. Like, you know, there's this old adage of a man won't ask directions because he's too embarrassed to ask directions or he's not humble enough to ask directions. And you sort of learn over time. It's a stereotype, but you learn over time. It's okay to ask. It's okay. Everything's okay. It's okay if I ask because I really don't know. And it might be embarrassing, it might be vulnerable, but you can't get better. Like I have a horrible problem in one of the things I do with one technique, one skill. And at some point you have to get over being embarrassed about it and just realize, I'm not good at this. I better ask. And I better oh, get that's me in geography. Hands yeah. down. I, am t- I have no geospatial skills. Don't ask me if that carpet's going to fit in that room because I can't tell you. And I don't know where any countries are. I am horrific <laughs> at it. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. And, and yeah. But, the, but the, the humility has become something talked about so much in leadership. And, and I've seen sort of like, I mean, the... Um, you know, it's 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 an evolution for all of us. For most of us, it's an evolution. When you're young, you're headstrong, and you do as you say. You know, and you and I, we've all talked to younger people that we mentor that are either very open to discussion or not. And you see it right away, but over time, they may become more open to it. Yeah, and I think the other thing that we want to think about as leaders is not stunting the growth of our teams by taking on responsibilities that they can handle. So making sure that we let our teams know that we trust them. And building building up the next generation of leaders is key to the succession planning of our organizations. And, 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 and so important, and a constant challenge with both the people that one works with, as well as one's children, to keep your hands off a little bit and let them grow. And it's a constant challenge to like not over-parent, not over-engage yourself in things as they try and figure things oh, out man. too. I'm constantly gritting my teeth because I'm like, you know, you could, oh, never mind. Go ahead. Go ahead. You try. Fail first. Try again. If you need help, come get me. But man, isn't that hard to watch when you you just know there's a better way, but you want them to have that growth? That's hard. <laughs> but it's true, though. But it's true. It is. It's, it's similar to uh, what Kim is saying. No, we, we uh, well, thank you folks very much. What a yeah. pleasure to visit with you. This has been so great. And, you know, I want to just also speak to our listeners and thank you all for joining us today. Scott, thank you so much also for being here. Um, Listeners, please do yourselves a favor and go check out everything Becker's Healthcare. Uh, Again, there's a a universe of different platforms that are available to you um, to, you know, kind of grow your teams, to make sure that your customers, which are our patients in our community, have the best care delivery Um, and that your organization is amplifying your voice um, so that you can participate and do great things. Um, So until we meet again, Rev Divers, keep diving into those Rev Cycles.